Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 376. All right, this intro is going to be fast because uh, it's late and I just got off a plane from Philadelphia, which, by the way, is a city I absolutely adore. I did so many cool things in Philadelphia. See, I just said it was going to be short. Now I'm about to tell you about my whole freaking trip. All right. We'll talk about it in another podcast. Anyway, I'm home. If you came out to Helium, thank you so much. And uh, hopefully I'll see some of you guys at uh, San Diego Comic-Con in a couple weeks uh, for all the panel moderating. And there's a Nerdist panel. And then we're doing our live podcast Saturday night at the Baboa Theater uh, at 9 30 i believe um also we're going to be doing a handful of live run-through shows for the new at midnight show that i'm doing for comedy central at meltdown in los angeles so go to nerdmeltla.com to get details on that i'd like to thank stamps.com for sponsoring this episode of the nerdist podcast it's a pain in the nards uh when you're making constant trips to the post office but you don't have to with stamps.com you don't even you don't. You literally just sit at your wherever you can pop your laptop on yourself and and just make stamps. You can make stamps all day. It's kind of fun. You can make them for any amount that you want. Um, there's you won't be wasting money anymore. You're not going to be wasting time. Uh, any envelope, any package, any class of mail, and they're going to make it easy for you by sending you a digital scale that will calculate the postage that you need. Plus, with one click from Stamps.com, you can track packages, send send shipping notifications to your recipients, free supplies delivered to you, and more. Again, you will not have to go to the post office. I cannot stress this enough. Um, Right now, there's a no-risk trial using the promo code NERDIST. $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale, up to $55 of free postage. So don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in NERDIST. Stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST. This podcast was recorded at the beginning of May in Scotland at a castle. You'll hear all about it in the podcast. But it's Misha Collins, who um, was awesome. He sponsored this huge scavenger hunt called Gishwis, which is the greatest international scavenger hunt the world has ever seen. And if you go to uh, G-I-S-H-W-H-E-S dot com, you can see what it is and how it helps people and get involved. It's massive. And Chloe's team won this year. And so I tagged along to uh, 
<laughs> basically to go to Scotland and stay in a castle and it's amazing and 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 it is absolutely a meritocracy it's calculated on points and her team uh, rallied and, and scored the most points for this massive scavenger hunt so we'll talk all about this if you're a Supernatural fan then of course you know Misha Collins as a Castiel and Supernatural ladies and gay gentlemen he's also really smart the whole package in the Nerdist Podcast, episode number 376, with Misha Collins. Now entering Nerdist.com. Record on things other than digital. Um, well, these and they they weigh about fifteen pounds a piece. <laughs> they sound great. They sound great. <laughs> you, can, you can really you can really hear the room. Here, put the headphones on so you can get a sense of what the sound quality is like. You can you can just hear everything. Holy! <laughs> it's shit. like even the. <laughs> wow. Um, all right. Good to know. I'm not going to fart during this. <laughs> I'd get it if you did. I would get it if you did. Mm. All right. <clears throat> We're in a giant stateroom in a Scottish castle. It is kind of weird to just wake up and go... Is When you travel a lot, you wake up and... Where am I? Oh, I'm in a yeah. castle. Scottish castle. I'm in a Scottish yeah. castle. That's tell by the Scottish heath and the sheep outside and the, <laughs> and the giant stone hearth and the chandeliers. And the fact that the sun is coming up at 4.30 in the morning and uh, everything here is... everything. The structure that we're in right now is uh, older than our country, I believe. Oh, very Isn't astute it? observation. <laughs> Wouldn't yeah. it be? Uh, well, does this go back to the... 1400 Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. So this this castle was old by the time, uh, by the time pilgrims were uh, uh, doing pilgrim business. Yes, they were leaving because these places were getting so run down, and they needed (laughs) fresh real estate. Yeah, they need fresh real estate, and also they wanted some religious freedom, but not too much religious freedom. Well, not for other people. No. Yeah. And then they came here, but this is uh, this has been an amazing weekend. Um, you, so I'll just tell people that, uh, Gishwis is a, uh, a, a massive international, is it the, the greatest international scavenger hunt the world has ever seen? You got it. You nailed it. Yeah. So, uh, Gishwis is a massive scavenger hunt and, uh, it's like thousands and thousands of people enter and they essentially have to come up with. Um, you know, photographing very specific things that they have to create or taking video and posting it. And, and Chloe's team won, and I got to mooch along. Um, she was so excited. I, was can't, she? I can't tell you. Like, this was such a big deal for her, and when she won, it was... Is she one of those people that expresses enthusiasm very outwardly? Yes. Was yes. there screaming involved? There was screaming and a lot of all caps texting and. Whoa! She I know. went all caps. Yeah, that she is went serious. all caps. 
maybe three or four exclamation points. Wow. Yeah, there was emoticons? no... Emoticons? There were not... She's not really okay, an emoticon person. Okay, she didn't go that far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's not really an emoticon person. Uh, we, we, we have a tendency to write out the words for emoticons, so we'll just write out, like, uh, smiley emoticon. <laughs> so, That's great. <laughs> so there was, there was no... <laughs> not terribly efficient, but no, quite funny. No, yeah, it, ta- like it takes more time, but, uh, but I feel like you earn it yeah. more than just... Yeah. Oh, I just didn't take any time at all, but it was a, it was a phenomenal experience for her, and she made a lot of new friends. And um, so, where, where did you where did you get the idea for Kishwish? Um, well, it's a, a long, convoluted, and not very coherent story. But I um, <clears throat> I went to school at the University of Chicago, okay. which um, is uh, it was a very uh, dark and dismal place uh, at the time that I was a student there. Um, it's a very good school, and a lot of smart people go there. We have a lot of Nobel Prize winners, um, but it's not a very fun place to attend. It's on the south side of Chicago. It's very cold and very wintry. And um, at the time that I was there, we didn't even have a student center. There was a study that was commissioned um, by a group at Harvard of the top 300 universities in the country, and they rated them according to various different criteria, like academic standards and campus quality and uh, social life. And we ranked 300 out of 300 right under the <laughs> Naval Academy. It was, it was just the only social life occurred in the basement of the Regenstein Library. Um, and then we had this one thing every year, which was the University of Chicago scavenger hunt. Um, which was amazing. And everyone on campus participated for four days in this thing um, and stopped. They came out of their caves and had uh, an amazing time. And there were some great uh, great items on the scavenger hunt uh, list for the University of Chicago. My girlfriend at the time uh, was on another team. She was also a student there. She's now my wife. Um, and uh, she came into my room one night and said, hey, hey, I was one of the few kids at school who had a car. And she said, hey, can I borrow your car? And I said, why do you want to borrow, borrow my car? She said, well, I, I found a place up in Wisconsin that's got some sheep. Because one of the items on the scavenger hunt was, list was three live sheep. And I said, oh, no, you cannot borrow my car um, to go pick up. It was a, you know, a sedan with upholstered seats. I don't want her going to pick up sheep in it. Oh, literally pick up sheep, not just photograph them. No, no. Pick them up. So the University of Chicago scavenger hunt was you had to bring all of the items. I'm this glad was, you simplified that. For this, was, this was pre-internet. So this was bring everything to a, a central location. Um, so she... <laughs> Just a, someone driving through Chicago in a sedan with three fucking sheep. Yeah. Sounds... It, yeah it, it was, I think it was a good sight. I, she did end up uh, waiting till I fell asleep and stealing the keys and taking my car anyway. And then the sheep uh, spent the day in my car, unbeknownst to me. They didn't even bother to lay newspaper down. Oh, come on, really? They were just uh, grinding their own feces into the, <laughs> into the seats and, and chewing on the They don't like cars. They don't. Uh, I learned this. I learned this fact. Um, other items on, on that scavenger hunt uh, list that year were uh, a Hooters waitress. Mm-hmm. So team would have to acquire a Hooters waitress and bring them to the event. Oh, sure. My Hopefully they asked her if that was okay. Yeah, I don't know if there were any actual technical abductions that occurred. 
Um, but my wife went and got a, a job at Hooters. I got hired, got the wardrobe, and then you know sh- showed up herself. Genius. Was, she was yeah. She was good at this. Um, so anyway, I had a great time doing those scavenger hunts at school, and uh, and then. <clears throat> And then I got on a TV show, and I, I built up something of a Twitter following, and I found that people would kind of strangely do whatever I said. And it gave me this incredible sense of power, and, uh, and I think that I um, started to take advantage of it. And I, I combined these two things, people doing what I say and my love of scavenger hunts, and started this little experiment, which totally took off. We now have three Guinness World Records under our belt in, you know, two years, which is pretty good. That's pretty insane. Is it largest scavenger hunt? Largest scavenger hunt uh, in the world uh, with over, I think, 15,000 participants mm-hmm. now. And then we also got the, uh, oh, when are you, you going to air this? Um, I can hold it until you need me to. Um, all right. A couple weeks. Okay. No problem. Um, the, uh, we also got a, a Guinness World Record for the largest number of uh, charitable contributions, and we managed to get uh, almost a hundred thousand people to pledge to do a charitable act, and we also managed to raise like over forty thousand dollars for the charity that I'm affiliated with, Random Acts, which is pretty great. That's pretty. That's incredible. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's that. That is definitely uh, that is a, uh, a a a great power responsibility sort of a thing where you realize, oh yeah, I there's something that. There's a lot of people, and I should probably do something good, right? Or evil, or and evil. Good I think, and evil. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because part of the the joy of this uh, endeavor for me is um, watching people do things that are humiliating. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really. Quite... But in a good nature, like <laughs> no one, no one gets hurt. Yeah, I know because Chloe had to. Uh, one of the things she had to do was put on a, a wig made of popcorn. And take a picture with a diamond ring, and I think in a jewelry store or something. And so she, uh, <laughs> she went to Koreatown in a late at night, and went to this store, maybe like a pawn shop or something, um, and had to convince this guy because people are walking into things, and it's weird. It's like you know she's walking in with a popcorn wig and like can i take a picture of this ring other people are are going into like retirement homes and like we need to interview an elderly couple like just we you know kind of we, we went to um the Bellagio, we were in Vegas and we went to the Bellagio hotel and had to take the picture was um someone having uh, an awkward first date with a marionette and the person operating the marionette had to be dressed all in black and so we had to we we engineered that and i am not I'm not uh, comfortable with, like, public scenes. Like, I'm very much a, oh, just let everyone, don't cause a... Blend into the yeah, yeah, surroundings. Yeah. And there is not an easy way to blend in. With a marionette and yes. dressed in black. <laughs> but like I said last night, you know, because it's Ve- it was Vegas, as long as you don't take your dick out at the restaurant, everyone's fine. So yeah. no, and no and actually, care. sometimes it's okay to take your dick out at the restaurant, too. <laughs> you know, sometimes too. it is okay, depending on the, depending on the <laughs> restaurant. But this had to be a two-star Michelin-rated restaurant. Um, so I'm, I believe the two stars means that there is an implied no-dick policy. No-dick, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, right. So, uh, but it was, uh, it, it, was really, it was really fun. So, you, I mean, you have to feel good about, you know, you... you literally not only change people's lives in a charitable sense, but also just the lives of the people involved 
in the competition as well. People made new friends, people... Yeah, people, um, much more than I ever would have imagined. The I guess, you know, forming these teams, it's a pretty intense experience, I think, because mm-hmm. it's, it's a week long, and there's a long list of virtually impossible tasks for people to accomplish. And... Uh, in order to be competitive, you really have to go balls to the wall yeah. and work your ass off as, as a, a team, team. Yeah, as a team, and and I think that a lot of the people that have participated so far are people who are active online, um, but not necessarily their online communities don't necessarily get into that level of intensity and collaboration. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there's a little bit more generally speaking, I think, autonomy online. You're you know you're engaged in an interplay, but you're not. Uh, Bonafide collaborative team, right? And I think that that uh, experience was pretty profound for a lot of people. And uh, I've met a bunch of people who uh, who are like getting together for reunions with their uh, teams. Like, yeah, we're all having Christmas together, or oh, nice. things like that, which is really cool. Uh, and it's almost as if they've actually, you know, served in combat together, and <laughs> they have that bond, um, which is really cool. Yeah, because this team, um, this the te- team Bad Wolf. Uh, Fucking team. badass name, by the way. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a doctor. Good. It's a Doctor Who reference, and they're all they're all Whovians, and so it's. Uh, and I think they're. I think they all want to get Bad Wolf tattoos. Oh yeah, um, good. So uh, uh, it, it's. But there were people here from the states and all over the United States, and Germany, and Canada, and Thailand, and so it really did pull a lot of people together. Yeah, uh, and. You planned like it, it was. It was a really nice weekend. Like you took everyone to. You guys took everyone to tour castles and to like the whiskey distillery and to an, the old. You know, like a, a church from the the Rosalind ch- Chapel. You know, from the 1300s. And so it was a really. It was a nice weekend. Yeah, it's at, it's, it's a little bit far away for everybody. From I mean, because not that many people were actually close to Scotland to start with, right? <laughs> no. no. Um, and the two people who actually lived in England, I understand, who were on the team, couldn't make it. Right. <laughs> Ironically, <laughs> sadly. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a short weekend, right? I mean, it's four days, I think, total? Yeah. Um, which means that everybody is in, coming over from the States is, uh, and Thailand completely jet-lagged the entire time. So there's this sort of delirious haze hanging over the group, which I think adds to the fun factor, Oh, there's, right? no, there's no question. You combine I, whiskey and, and exhaustion, and it's a, a winning combination. It is a winning combination because no, people, people just didn't really sleep. I mean, we, you know, we would... Uh, I mean, the castle is amazing, and, and the walls to the castle are so many feet thick, it's ridiculous. Um, but... You can hear everything in the castle because you can hear like clopping up and down the, the stairs, and the the doors are all heavy, so they shunk you yeah. know at all hours. Like people just you know some people just didn't sleep at all. Yeah, I really couldn't sleep at all last night. <laughs> um, well, that's because your room is horribly well, yeah, haunted. I, I woke up this morning to find out that hey, how'd you sleep? And I said, oh, you know, actually not that great. I'm like, yeah, man, because you know your room is the haunted one. Well, thanks for telling me, assholes. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh yeah, you probably didn't want to. Know. Our, our room, we're in, we're in the room called the red room and apparently it's the red room because there was so much blood on the walls from just oh come on that they had covered them in tapestries I guess there was a story that um, <laughs> they, they, they told us that one of the lords of, of this castle um, impregnated a chambermaid um, which wouldn't have been a big deal if he had had his own children but he didn't have any kids yet and so they couldn't risk that 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 child would be heir to. Oh, right. And so uh, he sent a soldier 
to uh, do some stuff. So that, that oh, so happened. That the soldier executed his own child or the mother of his child with the unborn. Yes. 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 In, in our, okay, so that's in not a, so in bad. Our, in our room. <laughs> that's not so bad. <laughs> I mean, you know. It, we, it's understandable. I mean, I, I get it. It was, well, it was probably like the 1400s. Or is it gonna, how long was she really going to? Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, pretty, it was pretty intense. And then there's, there's a dungeon that we went to today. And there are two towers of the castle. Apparently, if you were in, there's about nine feet between the towers, and the castle is—I don't know how many stories high it is, but this it's, is it's not a this is not a small castle. It feels like about a twelve-story building. Yeah, it's big. And so, um, so basically, what they would do is they would take prisoners and they would say, "Okay, you can le- if you can leap across the towers, you can go free if you make it." Right. But apparently, what they didn't tell prisoners uh, is that. As part of this leap, their hands were tied behind their back, and they still had a, a ball and chain attached to their legs. So zero people ever made it, and there were pikes down at the bottom. So basically, prisoners. It was just basically just like a like a, a an open graveyard of prisoners, and they just left them out there as a warning. Don't fuck with the castle. So it was, it's just some pretty brutal things happened here. That is a pretty compelling message, though. <laughs> Carcasses strewn about on spikes out front probably says, you know, something more compelling than uh, beware of dogs. I mean, listen, I I have a very expensive alarm system that I have to pay for every month. It would be so much easier easier. just to get some pikes and just throw some... (laughs) And a few criminals. Yes. Carcasses. just, Just let them leap on there and just leave them there for a while. And then... Every eight or nine months, you know, you bring in fresh criminals, and uh, and, yeah. and then yeah. and then you warn other criminals not to. It fuck sounds your like house. an effective approach. <laughs> it worked. It worked until someone still. I mean, this castle also has half of the facade of the top side of one of the uh, sides of the castle is uh, crumbled apart partly from cannonballs. Yeah, Oliver that, Cromwell's yeah uh, army. Uh, yes, they shot a cannonball into the side. Which you can still see, and there's a giant crack in the Great Hall where it hit. And, uh, and I guess Cromwell said, you know, you and your family can leave peacefully, or we'll kill you. <laughs> and I think they left for a while. It does. That also sends a strong message. <laughs> it does. Shooting cannonballs. Yeah. But apparently they said this place was uninhabited for 130 years. It just sat here. Because the, the, apparently the, 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 the family line died out, and it just sat here empty for over a century until they found us another related bloodline and then those people too. But they, apparently a, a, a giant tree had grown up through the middle of the fireplace. Enormous. Wow. And it's, uh, so there's a, there's a lot of history in here and it's, it's not as creepy as I thought it would be. It's kind of nice. Yeah, it is kind of nice, but there is definitely a creep factor. Like when we went down into the dungeon. Yeah. Where you could see the, the, Iron hooks in the wall where they chain people <laughs> sure. to. Sure, and the well. Yeah, I mean it's got a creep factor. <laughs> There's a little bit of a creep factor, but I, I thought I was going to come in and 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 feel the, you know, I'm, I'm not a ghost guy, but I th- I thought I was going to come in and be like, oh yeah, I feel not, I feel like I'm I'm throwing up all day. Yeah, there's there's flies coming out of my eyeballs, uh, but it actually was fine. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty nice. And the staff is is lovely. So what were you doing up in in Scotland? Um, well, I am. I, I have to say that I'm. The reason that we picked this as a destination is partly because I've always wanted to come to Scotland, and uh, this was a good excuse. Yeah. Um, but I, I have been in uh, Europe for the last couple of weeks doing. Um, I'm on a 
TV show Supernatural. And we, oh, I don't know if I. Uh, you, yeah, it's, it's, a, yeah, it's a little thing. And, just a you know, small. small is it little, first season of the show. First, uh, <laughs> you know what? Actually, it's very close to that. We're going into our. What are we going into now? Our it must be like the ninth season. season. Yeah. yeah, it's unbelievable. That's one of those shows where you're like. Holy shit, that's been on almost a decade. That's, that's still on? I can't believe it. <laughs> no, it's just unbelievable. It's like, television's hard. Yeah, and if, yeah. And to get a show on for any number of seasons, but to just be on for like almost a decade, and yeah. it doesn't really feel like the show is in danger of going away anytime soon. Yeah, no, I think we probably have another at least a couple years left in the show, which is kind of great. Um, and I was wise, and I didn't start on the show, but I started in the fourth season. Um once it already looked like it was going for a while. That's not why I started. I started because they offered me the job and I would take anything. But um, it's been great that it has lasted as long as it has. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, we have uh, really enthusiastic fans and we have these fan conventions for Supernatural that happen kind of all over the world. So I've been doing, I did a convention uh, a couple weeks ago in Rome and then uh, one this past week in, in Birmingham, UK, and then one next week in Frankfurt. And then I'm going to Sydney the following week. Oh, my gosh. I'm uh, no stranger to jet lag. Oh, my God. And I made the mistake of bringing my two very small children on this European uh, leg of the tour, which uh, they uh, are, are strangers to jet lag and don't adjust at all. So I, I uh, stay up all night with the kids and then go and try to uh, pretend that I'm alert and charming to the fans. Um, <laughs> but they, I think, are seeing through my ruse. Do you ever get offended when people are like... Hey, were you up last night party? And you're like, no, no, I, was I wasn't. Up all night changing I, diapers, you <laughs> asshole. <laughs> <laughs> that is why I'm tired. Uh, I do get an awful lot of. Uh, <laughs> I've been getting an awful lot of people coming up and saying, "You look really tired." I can't stand Which that. Is, I, I want to send a message to people that this is not a nice thing to say. I have always <laughs> said that. When people go, "Hey, bro, you look really tired," I'm like, "Okay, let's break this down." <laughs> I know, and I and I and it, I know it comes from a good place. They're concerned. <laughs> yeah, right. But what it sounds like in your ears is you look like, like shit, shit, right? And there's nothing you can do about it. You're just like, oh man, and you just want to fucking put a bag over your head and like, I know, I look tired. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. So don't, no one ever wants to hear that. No one does ever want to hear that. Yeah. No. So don't say it. <laughs> I think the equivalent would be. Uh, Wow, you, you put sound, on some weight. You sound like an asshole. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, just today. You just sound like an asshole just for a minute. I just want to make sure you're okay. You just sound like kind of an asshole today. Oh, yeah, I didn't sleep last I night. I get that too, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Supernatural's great. You know, it's it's one of those shows that I was aware of for a long time. My, my, I, I've known Eric Kripke, who created the show since, God, like 1994. We did a, he was right out of, we were both right out of college and, he was an assistant director on this movie that we did called Beach House, where a bunch of college people just got together, like, we're going to make a movie. And uh, really funny guy, really sweet guy. And we would get together every once in a while over the years. And then, of course, he creates this show that becomes, like, you know, a pillar uh, in the nerd community. And so it's, I was always really excited for Eric because he's a fucking hilarious he's guy. He's hilarious. He's sweetheart. He's, he's great at what he does. I, I love Eric, too. Uh, and now he's doing Revolution, uh, yes, which is also a uh, a, a big uh, big hit for NBC. So um, he's everything he's touching at this point seems to be turning to gold to a certain degree, which is great for him. Um, yeah, I, we do miss Eric on the show. He 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 is missed because so he's, he's not he's, show running anymore. Right, he's, he's moved over. He's moved on. 
Um, but uh, great guy. And uh, yeah, it's funny. It, the, the Supernatural for me was a show that I had always seen the sort of posters uh, on the bus stops, yeah. you know, of these two sort of underwear model looking brothers. And uh, and I never I never watched it uh, because I thought that's, you know, that looks like some sort of nighttime soap opera with uh, with daggers. They're they're the they're the Betty and Veronica of like, do you want the blonde or the right. brunette? You know, yep. are you a Sam? Or are you a Dean? Right. You know, right. But they, uh, but once I got on the show and started uh, watching it, because I only watch things that I'm in because I'm so <laughs> self-absorbed, um, it's, it's actually a really good show. Uh, it's a really good show, and uh, they take really big risks uh, and do some totally bizarre shit, like breaking the fourth wall. We had an episode where Sam and Dean, the brothers on the show, are um, cast into a parallel dimension where they are... The actors, uh, Jared and Jensen, I know this who are one, yeah. playing the characters Sam and Dean on a show called Supernatural, and they just complete. And Eric Kripke, uh, the showrunner, is featured in the episode. I mean, it completely shattered the fourth wall. Um, and they had me uh, being a prima donna actor on the show and uh, screaming like a girl as I get my throat slit. Um, but it was, you know. You don't see a lot of shows that do that kind of stuff. No, so it's, it's it's the same. It's 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 probably, it's probably the same reason that I, I fell in love with Buffy the Vampire. It's like yeah. that where it's you know you think the show is one thing, and then there's this whole other layer of like, oh, the people who write the show are really funny and smart, and they like to screw around with the medium and and uh, and uh, yeah, Supernatural is a really fun show. And I watched a bunch of episodes with Chloe. Um, you know, when she was doing Gishwis and, uh, I was like, Oh my God, I, you know, and I, and I felt like how, why have I been missing this show for, for, you know, eight seasons yeah. up to now? Yeah. Yeah. That happened to me too. Yeah. And you came in, in, in uh, season four as, uh, as Castiel, yeah. the angel with a soul. Yeah. And good. You're, you're sort of imitating my, my forced, uh, deep voice that I do. <laughs> you have to be character. serious. <laughs> yep. It's... <laughs> It's something I'm, that I uh, I thought I was going to do a three episode arc on the show when I first started, and uh, it, Ar- Archangel. Yeah. Hey. Come on. Well done. Sorry. Well sorry, done. Sorry. Almost a, almost a pun. Almost. Yeah. Um. And uh, my my character's voice was supposed to be he was supposed to be trying to communicate with the humans, and when he tried to talk to them, the uh, windows would shatter and and buildings would shake, and so I thought, oh, I should have this really deep commanding voice. And so I did this really low, gravelly voice, and then uh, and then I the character has lasted now, going on for six years. And there are times when I just I'm just drinking, gargling salt water, and drinking warm water, just trying to soothe my vocal cords because it it hurts. And the, the, I wish I hadn't done that. That but. is a message to, to actors: is that if you audition for something or if you start doing something, just put in the back of your head you might have to do this for a long time. So if it's a crazy extreme thing that you're doing, right? At a certain point, you're going to be like, "This really hurts." This really hurts. Why did I? Yes, I learned a valuable lesson. I'm never going to audition for something. It's like, you know what would be great with this character? I think I'll make him a hunchback. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to do that. An elaborate costume where I'll have to bend my leg back <laughs> and just walk with a peg on my knee. Like, oh, why did I do that? I think the hunchback sitcom is is coming. It is coming. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, are you uh, are, are you you're clearly on break right now because you're traveling the world? What's your shoot year look like? We start in July start? and then we go uh, until late April. Oh, that so, long! Oh yeah. shit! 
It's a we do twenty three episodes, um, which is a lot, and uh, yeah. So I mean, it's like, and and you're the show is you're essentially like shooting a year round movie. It just never stops. You probably your your hours are yeah. You probably the, don't ever really get much rest. Well, I mean, you know, I'm lucky that my character's third on the call sheet, so I I have a little bit more time than the other guys, but. Uh, it is an intense shoot. We start shooting every week at 7.30 or 7 o'clock in the morning on Monday. And because of turnaround and, you know, union rules, we have to give everybody sufficient turnaround. But our days are 12 or 14 hours long. Sure, so sure. by the time we get to Friday night, we, we don't actually wrap uh, until sometimes 6 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. I mean, uh, yeah, Saturday morning. So we're working until 6 a.m. on Saturday and then pick up again at 7 a.m. on Monday. So everyone, again, is in this sort of constant state of jet lag a little bit. Just uh, your biological clock gets really screwed up um, and they're short weekends and long weeks. Uh, but it's a great, we have a, an awesome crew. Everybody has been on the show from season one pretty much. Which oh, so you guys got it. You got, everyone's got it down. Everyone's got it down and everyone has a lot of fun. Um, and one of the problems on the show is we we actually do run into a fair amount of overtime um, because we're laughing and ruining takes constantly. Oh, that's good to know. But it's, yeah, uh, we have fun. Um, I'm sure that uh, Warner Brothers doesn't like the extent of the antics that occur Yeah, as long as people keep watching the show, they're good. Right, they'll, they'll suck it up. They only don't like it if, you know, if, if the ratings drop, then all of a sudden it's like, you guys are having too much fun. You yeah, right. <laughs> as long as the ratings are doing it, they're like, hey, you guys, you have, guys fun. have fun. Here's some Enjoy buzzer yourselves. rings. Fuck around, Donna. <laughs> Whoopee cushions all yeah. around. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, you know, that to me, another thing that that does sort of feel like what a studio would think having a good time is, you right. know, just like the, some studio heads, like, give them some buzzer rings, they'll be, <laughs> no one really used that, <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it, it's on It'll me. be hilarious. <laughs> what? Because they'll shake their head and they won't know what's coming. But I love, uh, uh, I love to hear that, that it still is fun for you guys after all this time and not like, oh my God, we got to go back to it. Like, it's nice. It's, yeah. It's really, it's nice. And you I, know, I, I think that, I think that the guys on the show probably would, uh, would not still be on the show if it weren't fun. Sure. You know, but we, we all like showing up to work, which is a great thing. Yeah. It really helps. Cause that is, I mean, you know, it's definitely not always the case in this business. Yeah. You like uh, showing up on a set. <laughs> there are some very dark and unpleasant uh, groups to work with. I've been pretty lucky. Have you? Really? Yeah. I, I've never really, never really worked on something where I was like, oh my God, this is... I mean, I've worked, you know, in retrospect, I've worked on shows that I was embarrassed of, uh-huh. but that was the worst of it. It wasn't like, oh, this person's an asshole and this person... But I've tended to work more on hosty stuff, uh-huh. and I think maybe that's a different dynamic than getting a group of actors... Right. Together. Actors are horrible. <laughs> the worst. They're the worst. <laughs> well, oh, God, I've worked on things with, with nightmares, nightmare people. I worked on an uh, independent feat. I've worked on some really, really awful environment uh, independent features. I worked on this one where the, uh, the director was just, he was such a creepy, lecherous guy who, when we were doing this subject matter that was really dark, and he handled it with such such a lack of tack and, oh. and ultimately uh, a restraining order was taken out on the director and he was not allowed to come back to the set um, but still had to finish the movie no oh no, just no. to cut the he was he was cut out of the picture altogether oh, that's good um, yeah 
But um, you know, you, if someone does that, you almost kind of want to. Is there is there is there a, someone you can notify and be like, look, bad person? Yeah, <laughs> maybe do a little background check and just see what's behind the door because this was a. I mean, like that's that's a pretty glaring red flag. Yeah, it is. Sure is. That's a bummer. It, it's because it, it really, if you're a performer, you just want to perform. And it sucks that sometimes, uh, I assume it sucks for people that all this other weird stuff gets in the way that makes it difficult that you have to push out of the way. Like studio politics, you know, uh, creepy people, egos. It's like, God, fuck, can we just, can we just act? Can right. we just perform? Yeah, yeah. There are. It is amazing getting into I, in film and television. I think that there's so many layers of that other stuff. I think people go to acting school and they think that it's all about you know the character development and understanding your motivations in a scene, yeah. and uh, you know having the right attire and all of these you know nuanced details. And then you get there and it, and there is you know politics and there are egos and there are. Um, you know, just the technical elements of, of working in film and television, you know, making make sure you hit your mark and that you're not in someone else's key light and that your volume is high enough and that you're, you know, I mean, there's so many of these other little details that actually ultimately it ends up at times overshadowing the, the, the theater element of it all. Well, yeah, because you, especially it's, you know, you're staying in character, you're trying to stay present in the scene. But then they keep stopping and go, oh, can you turn a little bit this way? And you still have to, you know, okay, oh, yeah, right, go right, back right, and everything. I'm, I'm everything. in character. Yeah. Well, on, on, our, on our show, the problem is that um, Jared Padalecki, who uh, plays Sam, one of the brothers, um, he'll, he'll do his off-camera dialogue. So it'll be your close-up and he'll be off-camera. Um, right next to the cameraman, our, our cameraman is Brad. Um, and one of the one of the many things that Jared, for example, likes to do is take a pair of tweezers and pluck Brad's ear hair <laughs> during during your close up. And that's something that they just don't teach you about in in a drama school. You know, you don't learn. A, a good quite... teacher would do the cameraman pluck just to prepare students for what's going to happen on every production. Exactly. <laughs> you know, when uh, James Cameron was shooting Titanic, I know that Leo yeah, yeah. <laughs> would like to play. It was just something they all did. He got it from uh, De Niro, who I believe got it's it a, from Brando. And There's a great lineage there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here comes Chloe Dijkstra up from the room. Are you all, Hello! I'm right downstairs. Are, are you all packed and stuff? No. That's oh. a lovely dress. Well, thank you. Thank you for wearing it. Thank you. <laughs> We're just talking about uh, we're just talking about this sci-fi show. Whoa, what's sci-fi show? Uh, super, super salad. Heroes? Super heroes. That's right. Super salad. Super salad. Super salad heroes. Um, we are, we already had a big Gishwis conversation, and we were talking. Well, just I want to just one more question before we because I we can go back to talking about Gishwis in a sec. But uh, but um, we were talking about like being in a scene and being with characters and, and all that stuff that no one teaches you. Do you even know, do you even remember what you're shooting? I mean, it's like you go in for a day and you're like, we have to shoot these scenes and then tomorrow it's something else. And then the next week you're on a different episode. I mean, like, do you even have a linear sense of what's, what the stories are? Or are you just, is it just scene by scene by scene? And then they just put it all together. Um, there are definitely times when one loses the, the thread. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, obviously we, 
you, you know, in television, uh, no, it's true in film too. I mean, you always pretty much shoot stuff out of sequence yeah. and that's just par for the course and you've got to know, you know, where you are. But, um, there are times when things, uh, are fast paced and you, and you're not quite sure where you are. And then when, um, you know, when your scene partner has, for example, a, a broomstick in your crotch while you're shooting, it, you can further get distracted and, and sort of lose lose the, the page uh, that you're on. So, um, yeah, it's, it is very different, I think, than people think it's... It's certainly, for me so far, has, the experience has been very different working in television than I ever thought it would be. I thought it was much uh, much more akin to working, you know... In theater, and it's it's uh, very technical and v- very different. It's like theater if audiences watched a show for twelve hours <laughs> and just watched people do the same scene over, over and, and, over, and, again, and over again, yeah. in, and then they just kept reorienting the actors <laughs> so they could shift and be like, "Now we're seeing over this one's shoulder, and now the, and now they're just picking up the one this one object five times." Yeah, I don't really think it's. Uh, I think it's probably much easier to go from theater to film than the reverse. Yeah, in my case, I never actually. I don't know why I'm talking about theater because I never really even did theater anyway. <laughs> no, so. no, just say that you but did a bunch I, of theater. I, I did. I mean, obviously, I'm, did you know, not I'm, study theater I'm, in I'm college? A, not really. No, I didn't. I studied uh, social theater. I studied Marx and Weber and Durkheim and other <laughs> dead white men that have no bearing on anything. Um, <laughs> So, uh, did you see the Adam Smith statue in Edinburgh? No, I haven't seen it. Big statue of Adam Smith in Edinburgh. <laughs> Pretty excited. Probably someone you studied in college. I, um, I mean, really, you know, he's the father of uh, capitalist thinking in a lot of ways, right? So, it's kind of exciting. The city built on another city. Yeah. Can I ask you, you were talking about shooting things out of order and not remembering. I mean, like, the, the show's run has been so long. There have been so many episodes. Do you remember... What happened? You know what? Oh yeah, especially at conventions, people are like, "Oh, an episode." Remember that one time when you did this one thing? And Um, what really sucks for me is I do go to I I I I have a shitty memory to start with, but I go to uh, conventions and the fans have all you know when we get a script, we read it once. If we're feeling like real brown nosers, we read it twice. (laughs) Uh, We learn our lines. We go in, we shoot it, and then we move on to the next episode. The fans of the show watch it. There are people who literally make sure that they watch uh, at least one episode a day and have sometimes seen each episode 10 or 15 times. So they they know it way better than we do. And they know all of the details and nuances. And I, they all blur together for me. And I have no idea what they're talking about. Um, which is fine. I own up to it. Mm-hmm. They don't expect me to know anything anymore, which is good. It would be really great if you actually could... Do the Castiel thing where people go, I, I just got this thing that I, I know from an episode that you... And they turn up and then you've just disappeared and there's just a light breeze in the room. <laughs> You're like, where'd he go? That's actually a fantastic idea. If you were really method, you'd figure out how to do I'd that. figure out how to teleport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'd figure out how to teleport. Um, it would be a great gag. <laughs> it's a good way to sort of distract them away from the fact that I don't know the answer to their questions. You know what? It just disappeared. And no one would be mad at you. It wouldn't like, be the oh same. My God, if you're walking like... away, you're a rude dick. But if you can teleport away, people will be like, oh, fuck, i got to give it to him. Right. That's, yeah. that's pretty, that's pretty yeah, awesome. They'd say, yeah, he puts on a good show. <laughs> he teleports when he gets nervous. <laughs> Gone. Um, Chloe, uh, what was your favorite... Wait, I have a quick question. One quick question. Does the word Destiel mean anything to you? Destiel does mean something to me. I know exactly what it is. 
Um, I'm so sorry to bring do you, what, do you, do you, Wait, what, is it, what does it mean to you? I don't, I don't want to say it. I want to hear what you have to say oh, about shit. first. That was my attempt to do the uh, Castiel disappearing thing. Yes. <laughs> um, Castiel is uh, Dean, is uh, one of the characters on the show, and Castiel is my character on the show, and Destiel is the fusion of the two in a. Um, OTP? What does OTP stand for? One through pair. Oh. Oh, was that in the episode? It's not canon, though. I know a couple little words about the fandom, but... Wait, what, what does canon mean? Canon means it's not cohesive with the writing of the script, so... In other words, it's like you have fan fiction and then you have, uh, you know, canonical story where it's, it's actually like, happened yeah. in the show. It, it's it's yeah. happened, or, or it's, a part of the, uh, it's a part of the history of the show. It's an, it's an official... It's it like, just means official versus not official. In, like, Harry Potter, so if you write uh, fan fiction about Harry and Hermione, mm-hmm. not canon, because they don't end up together, but if you write about Harry and Ginny, it is canon, because they do end up together. But the story that they write isn't canon because it's fan fiction, so it's not officially yeah, recognized by the, uh, you know. Got so, it. like, that was the big, um, you know, like, that's like the Star Wars universe. It's so massive because so much of the lore of Star Wars was built, you know, it's like 10,000 years worth of Star Wars universe lore built on fan fiction. And so, you know, some Lucasfilm will officially recognize as being, okay, that's part of canon, and other parts are not canon. And, and so it's a, you know, it's just a way to keep all of the 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 timelines straight. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah. I have heard that I've heard the term bannered about many times and didn't know what it was. Did it happen so on the show or was that fanfic? Did, what, is, yeah, is that fanfic? No, it didn't happen on the show. Well, that, that's, not, that's not like a crazy thing. Like no, I that, guess that's it's not. I mean, like I think that for me when I was watching it like at, at the beginning you sort of had a hint of like, oh, I could see why this would be, become slash fiction. And then a little bit later on, they're like, oh, the, the writer's writing this in now. <laughs> this seems, I don't know. What, I mean, what's your take on it? Um, it's actually, it's, it's quite controversial for some reason in the, in the, I think that people who are writing slash fiction really want it to become canonized, a lot of them, and they, now I can use that term. Yes. Yeah. so good. I feel alive. You're free. Um, and... And I do, I, and I, I, I do think that the writers, um, they, they kind of play on the edge of it. I mean, I think that, and I think that we as actors are also, um, even if it's at times unconsciously, um, also toying in that on on that line. Um, but uh, it is, it's also something that I didn't even know about before starting on I mean this is not, this is a phenomenon that's occurred for now 30 40 years it started with uh, Spock and, and Captain Kirk um, way way back in the day right slash fiction do you know yeah, yeah. yeah I know about slash I didn't know where it started though I didn't yeah, realize yeah apparently it. that's that was its its origin and and at the time it was you know in a, in little magazines that were circulated you know 2 and 300 copies of Privately, and now it's something that occurs, you know, on Tumblr and right. other sites like Live Journal and things like that. And Live Journal, oh my god! Um, was... People still use Live Journal. I don't know if they do. <laughs> I, I'm. I used to. No, I was a big Live Journaler. I love Live Journal. I like the idea that uh, there was like Shakespeare fic where these people were like, "Oh, what if Macbeth and Juliet got together?" <laughs> <laughs> like they're just crossing over. Someone they must have like they're, they're mu- Oh yeah, no. If mu- you go on fan fiction, there's a list of all the different shows cer- you can. It go certainly to. must have existed throughout the ages. It's just there was no way. There's probably no way to preserve any of it. So right, you've probably right. lost all this, you know, 
all this Amazing. really great Aristophanes fan fiction. Um, but uh, or I would imagine that I also I also sometimes wonder if you know it's sort of like the um, like the Francis Bacon thing, or you know, or what were are there are there works that were attributed to other people because someone was such a fan of something and tried to mimic it that they just. They did it so perfectly. Oh, yeah, probably. We'll never I'm, know. We'll never know. That's probably probably happened. We'll never know. Do you ever have you ever tried? Have you ever written an episode or just or just for fun tried to write an episode? Um, no, but I have I have uh, submitted story ideas to the writers. Really? Yes. Didn't yes. somebody say on Tumblr? Did somebody say on Tumblr? Uh, you're if they direct, did, direct it's true. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, yes, that's true. Oh, that is true. Yeah, All right. I'm, okay. I'm directing. Yeah. You haven't done it yet? No. Are you, are you nervous? Are you excited? A little bit. But, you know, it's a great crew and everybody's going to be nice and support me, I think. Um, so as far as uh, having a directing debut on a fairly substantial thing, I think it's a good environment to do it in. You know, it's with a group of people who I know on a show that I know. So it's it's as easy, I think, as it can get. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, of course I'm nervous. Do you know anything about the episode you're going to direct? No, no, no. It's somewhere midway through next season. Uh, no one knows anything about that episode. Does, uh, do, you, do you ever feel like... Castiel just uh, just needs a good laugh, yeah, or just needs like a a hint of emotion. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's, yeah. Uh, he's seen some shit. He has, yeah. He keeps on causing a lot of problems in the world. Um, this this last season ends with Castiel um, causing all angels to fall to earth, and there. Well, it already Spoiler. aired. It's already aired, so I, I think technically I'm allowed to talk That's about really it. That's really pretty in Angel Storm. Yeah. Oh, love. <laughs> it's raining angels. Fwomp. Fwomp. Yep. So, That's why he's got a raincoat on all the that's time. That's right. You never know when it could be Angel Fall. <laughs> <laughs> that is a fucking great name angel for a movie. Angel Fall. Oh, it is. That is, a, that is a great name for like an angel horror movie. Like The Prophecy... Which is a fucking great angel movie. Isn't there a movie called Fall of the Angels? There's gotta be. I don't know, but not Angel Fall. It's not angel Fall, I guess that's Angel Fall. This is good. This has been good. You did hear I just saying that, right? Did you just see the Adele thing? I just saying that, yeah. It must have, it must have yeah. squeaked Thanks, Chris. in. Yeah. I just, not, not to embarrass her, but Chloe did dress as a lady version of Castiel oh, at a convention a couple months ago. I did. What? Well, she hold, did. Okay, hold on. Hold the phone. Let me explain myself. <laughs> yeah, pictures. I had to make a costume really fast. And I needed two costumes for a convention. I was like, what's well, a really easy costume that I could do? Don't don't sell it short. No, you no, did wait, it because I, you're I passionate. Because she made the fucking wings. Oh, hold on, though. <laughs> I made two versions of the wings. The first wings I did were huge. And then I realized I have to take these to Kansas. There's no... I mean, I don't know what I was going to do. They were floppy. I mean, I spent hours on these wings cutting out feathers. By the way, not black wings because that doesn't make any sense. Clear wings... Because your wings are invisible. Oh. Yes. Nice touch. So I, I cut out hundreds of feathers because, of course, I can't, like, I'm like, oh, easy costume. I have to make this as difficult as possible. Glued them on. It just looked like crap. So, in the end, I ended up making a different set of wings that were smaller and didn't look as stupid. But it was ended up being more of a project than I expected it to. But I did do the backwards tie. Good for you. I did. Nice touch. And since I couldn't find your tie, I had to paint the stripes on the inside of it to make sure... Really? Yeah. Attention to detail. Yeah. That's good. Chloe's apartment always, a lot of the time, looks like um, it's been abandoned and then different <laughs> groups of people have settled there and then moved on <laughs> because there's so, there's so many, like, there's so many, like, costume-making props everywhere and, like, 
jars of barge and soldering irons and electric knives and and then video games and toys yeah it really just looks like guns it just looks like a halfway home we're like oh these people moved on and this other group it looks like a terrorist cell (laughs) definitely oh definitely maybe it's the apartment of a creative person christopher terrorist i'm I'm going terrorist where squatters live tell that to the department of homeland security (laughs) of like why you have so many weird implements i probably have enough dangerous chemicals in there to create some sort of... But, you know, Clay was like, oh, should I, should I bring the Castiel costume? Like, you don't know me. Should, don't freak him out. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, I am so disappointed that you didn't... I have a video I can show okay, you. Okay, I do want to see this. In the one room with Wi-Fi in the castle. That's amazing. I'm really glad to hear this. What is... Uh, what's the sort of one thing that you... You know, like when you're well. First of all, why did how did you start acting? If you studied, if you studied, uh, you know, influential dead white guys. Like, what was the? Uh... I I um I went from college. I was uh, in D.C., Washington D.C., um, interning at the White House, where I I thought I was going to go into politics. It's and... just like West Wing, right? Yeah, it's exactly exactly right. exactly yeah, quippy yeah. presidents and yeah. yeah. West Wing was essentially a, a reality show, <laughs> and uh, and working at National Public Radio and taking a very straight and narrow uh, course in life, and uh, and I became rapidly disillusioned with Washington D.C. and this. My life vision had been to go into politics, and I realized very quickly that I didn't want to do that anymore. I had a crisis of faith, and I uh, also um, I had a friend who was acting in D.C. who was like, "Hey, you should try this. Um, it's easy. Send out." So I got a picture taken and sent out my headshot, and the first audition I had was. For or uh, Barry Levinson film that was casting locally did uh, uh, Good Morning Vietnam yeah. Diner and uh, and Liberty Heights was this movie that it was casting locally mm-hmm. he was going to shoot it in Baltimore I did an audition I didn't really know what an audition was but I got a part in the movie and then I got another part in another movie that was shooting locally you know a few weeks later which you was son of a bitch Girl Interrupted which was you know Winona Ryder and Angelina Jolie and I was like this is fucking easy I want to go to LA and be a movie star just and scoop up the acting jobs. They, they come really easy that way. It's a way. cinch. And then it took me, I got out to L.A. and it took me a year to get a guest star on Charmed. Uh, wow. I very quickly learned that it was much more difficult than I thought. Um, <laughs> you got more acting work in D.C. <laughs> I did. It was a cinch there. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that was it. And then, and then I, I, for the first few years that I was doing it, I thought I was going to do something serious soon. And now I've just been sidetracked. It's funny that uh, you were working at the White House, and then you were like, if I'm going to pretend, I might as well admit that I, that's, that's what I'm doing. Right. If I'm going to pretend, I might as well at least get some costumes. What is it like to, to work at the, at the White House? Oh, um, it's, well, for me, kind of disappointing. Um, I thought it was going to be this, you know, the best and the brightest minds under one roof. Um, <laughs> uh, ideas, uh, discussions, um, it, it, just genius. And it was actually a lot of um, a lot of people who were working in the White House were people who had either volunteered on the campaign or their parents had donated a lot of money to the campaign. They were all just a bunch of yay-sayers who were um, really, really, really excited to be near the president. And um, yeah, it was not, not what I thought it was going to be. Did you ever talk to the president? Yeah, yeah, talk is a strong word. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we did shake hands on several occasions. And I think he patted my shoulder twice. So. Sure, I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, that's pretty. Yeah. You guys are pretty much hanging out on a yacht the next weekend. I mean, basically, it's basically, basically you guys are pals. Yeah, he's probably like, "Hey, I love Supernatural." <laughs> yeah. Are you still involved with politics at all? Um, no, no, yeah, not yeah. really. 
It's a. It, it, I, I've always said, you know, the thing that I that I hate most about politics is that I mean, some people really they can sink their teeth into it, and for me, it's um, it's so difficult to know what's bullshit and what's not bullshit because there's just it, it's for me, it's all conjecture. Like it's right. all that guy said this, but then this guy says this, and then he's raising this points. I mean, it's. It's basically how are they focusing the lens on the same issues. Some things are very obvious to know, but other things, it's just so gray. It's not mathematical to me, and therefore I cannot wrap my mind around it because there's no definite answer in a lot of cases, and that drives me fucking bananas. Yeah, I, I agree. I, um, I also think that it's, you know, there are certain issues which I feel like I can get behind this 100%. It's, this is very clearly right to me, yeah. or this is very clearly wrong to me. But in, in the actual process of legislating anything, it seems to me that there's so much compromise and so much sacrifice of integrity that has to go into it that hey, it's not worth it. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, you get a group of even 10 people together and it's difficult for them to decide, here's where we should go eat and here's what everyone, you know, here's, here's <laughs> right. how we'll divide up the bill and here's, how right. you know, times that by thousands, millions, you know, like everyone's got one little ad Oh, but I think it should be this. I think it should be this. And then all of a sudden, it becomes an idea that's so bastardized from the original idea, just sort of this unrecognizable blob of a notion that it it just it's a, it's shocking to me that we are uh, a a civilized nation at all. Yeah, it is kind of amazing, especially the, a country the size of America. Yeah, and diversity of it. Yeah, I mean, you you know, it's it's so it's fun to. Uh, it's fun to come to Europe. I mean, it's like we were driving around Scotland yesterday, and the tour bus driver was like, Scotland has five million people. <laughs> and then, you know, Los Angeles has 12. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, like they, they've... That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's this a... country is smaller than our town. Yeah. <laughs> By a lot. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But there's a lot of room here, too. Yeah. Like your next neighbor is... He's somewhere well, over the hill. we're also in a castle, though. I mean, I don't think all the time. They have that belt. Most people live... In the central belt. Most, I thought belt. most people in Scotland lived in castles. They, they all live in castles. Okay. Yeah, they so all, I was right about that. There's a castle for every person. Here. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But I got to say, I, the, the fun thing about... We were at dinner last night, and there was this... This guy came out and played bagpipes and did this, you oh know, like God, presentation presentation of the haggis. And <laughs> it was really fun. And then part of me almost felt bad for them. Like, oh, this is like Disneyland. This is like cultural Disneyland. Yeah. And they're doing this for the foreigners. And you could hear around the table, like, you know, the people in the group, like, doing their Scottish accents. And I was, I was apologizing to the staff. I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's not like that was a bit cringeworthy. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's, not like, it's not like the, uh, it's not like, <laughs> it's not like the Scots go... To the south, and then some cowboy comes out and like, "Hey, everybody, we're going to make barbecue." And then all the Scots are like, "Howdy!" You know, like it's just sort of a weird. Well, I mean, to be fair, we were all in character too. No, this is true. I didn't try because I my Scottish accent is, is mine sucks too. Yeah, it's yeah. obsolete. No American has a good Scottish accent. Yeah. They all think they do, but then they just do groundskeeper Willie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then I feel like for some reason, I feel like that might be kind of racist. I'm not sure, but it just feels like. Like, you know, or culturalist. Yes, like it just—it's it, it sort of feels. Well, weird. this castle doesn't feel like it's particularly like a like a tourist trap. I don't know no. how many Americans end up at this castle. Well, if there if there haven't been that many, I think that we certainly made a bad impression last night. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was yeah, and we found out that the castle was for sale. Uh, 
and was it two two point five million pounds? Yeah, so about about the about cost three and a half house in Los Angeles. About, well, about a high end house. I mean, it's like three and a half million, but still. This is a fucking castle. Yeah. With the walls know, at places here are, are what 10, 15 feet feet thick. I mean, it's six meters, isn't it? It's it's unbelievable. I mean, you can you can see you can see how thick the wall is right there. I mean, it's I mean like the thickness of the wall is basically a room. Like you could yeah you could put a bed in there. Yeah. Um. But uh, but just but it's funny that you know in Los Angeles there's no shortage of three and a half million dollar homes and they're nice homes. But certainly not like, oh, you have all this property and a castle wall and a guard gate with its own set of apartments and, you know, a but, dungeon. But then you have to give up ice in your coffee, so. <laughs> you, do, you do have to give up. Is that a sacrifice worth making? I don't think so. This is unbelievable, <laughs> you guys. It's just a Why are we here? What's funny? So I, gross. It's just, it's just interesting because would you ever imagine a restaurant not having ice? It's not, I don't even care that much. I'll have my, I, I don't care, but I just think it's interesting that. It's yes, but we because it's so cold and live in Los Angeles where it's always sunny and hot. And here you look outside and it's foggy and cold, and you want nothing but a hot cup of tea. I, I do remember, like the you know, the first time I came here uh, when I when I used to enjoy the beer, and you would, I would go to a pub, and then they'd give me, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have like a real British pint. And you sip it, and you're like, ah, that's warm. <laughs> and, oh, that's right. And you're just not used to the... They do the room temperature. Yeah, yeah, the room they? temperature. And it's, you know, in America, it's so much of it's like, ice-cold beer. Right. And that's then, how they advertise beer. It's like, it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then and then here, it's just, it's like, this was just sitting in a cabinet. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> what are you people doing? They're like, no, we sort of invented this shit. <laughs> no, I know, but it's not. I mean, gross. Come on, come on. Uh, where's the flashy can? Where's the fucking right? Um, and so from here, from here, are you going back to England, Frankfurt? Next. Going well, Frankfurt. I'm going to. I'm going. I'm staying here in Scotland for uh, the rest of the week. And oh, then, that's and nice. I'm going to Germany. Yeah, you taking the fam nice. to Germany? Nope. They're they're going to stay in Scotland for another few days. Are you working? I am. Yeah. This guy's doing uh, supernatural conventions everywhere. He's going to Australia. Wait, supernatural specific conventions? Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. It is interesting to see, you know, the the sort of uh, the subcons, like the specialized conventions, like Gallifrey One or Supernatural conventions, or you know, I would imagine Star Trek is probably or probably the biggest ones. Yep. Uh, but um, but you know, you can still Gallifrey One's a couple thousand people. The Supernatural conventions, I imagine, are a couple thousand people. It's a substantial number of people in a community to come together around one thing yeah. for a weekend. Yeah. Do you notice a difference in the type of fans that show up to the different conventions you go to, like the specialized conventions? Well, I pretty much only do... I mean, I've done a couple of... Because I saw of, you. I, that, that was one of two that I've done big signing conventions. Um, usually I just do the Supernatural-only conventions. Um, and yes, there is a slight, I would say, uh, difference. The big signing conventions have more men, mm-hmm. and they skew younger for... Our fans. The Supernatural conventions are 97% female and uh, and a little bit older. Interesting. Like, probably average age in the like 30s. The, the Twilight sort of... Yeah, but, old, but older. Not like the teenagers. Interesting. They're 30, 40. Yeah. That is... Uh, it, it, it's really cool that you guys just have your own ecosystem. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 it, what's really great about it is I can go I can go to one of these conventions and I walk out on stage and the camera the flashes are going off <laughs> and it's crazy and it's screaming and people are weeping and I feel like I'm a superstar 
And then I leave the convention and nobody knows me. And it's perfect because I get to like, have a normal, completely normal life, but occasionally feel like a superstar. Right. Which is exactly the dosage that the ego really wants. If you go to the right place at the right time yeah. and you think it's cool, but it's like, no, no, you're getting your coffee in the morning. You don't want people like, yeah, you don't hey, want, camera in your face. You don't want you to know. live like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. You want to know that it's out there. You can somewhere. go to a place where that happens. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that always happens, you know, like is when you go to, uh, when I was working at G4, you'd go to San Diego Comic-Con and... And, and then people, you're like, oh, wow, I must be, I must be doing well because people know who I am. And then right. you still kind of have that, you know, slightly snotty air about you and you go out into the world and uh, no one it, it, gives no a one, shit. No one cares. Yeah, yeah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, last weekend, a lot of people really <laughs> it doesn't. But it's, it's, it's nice, though, because it's, uh, I mean, it, it's, you know, when people rally around a thing and get together as a community and you know it's like it's sort of like with Gishwis they, they they've all come together around this idea and forge friendships that ultimately like will change the course of their life you know I mean uh, that's why nerd culture is so amazing because there's so much passion that people find each other to be passionate over the same thing together and I mean what were you saying somebody was saying something about uh, how Gishwis changed people's lives well Philip was saying that Philip is your friend who basically ran the logistics of it and he was amazing so yeah, great. He's, yeah, a, he's an awesome guy. I'm so, so yeah. lucky. And so he, yeah, he, um, he was saying that he was getting these testimonial videos from people that were, you know, um, people who were saying like, you know, I was contemplating suicide and then I found this, this gish, gishwis and it, it saved me. I mean like that, like that level of this communal exercise helped me feel like I was a part of something and it changed the course of my life, which I'm sure is not. Those are the sort of the benefits that you never would have thought. You just think, oh, people just get together and find weird things. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's totally unexpected, and it's um, and it's really gratifying. It's really great to know that that participating in in this this fan nerd culture is actually really providing something to people. This, I mean, in general, I think fandom is. Um, is a surrogate to a kind of community that seems to have been lost. People are forging community where they didn't have it around, like you said, shared interests. And it ultimately ends up really being important in people's lives. And it's, uh, and it's a very interesting thing to step into a role where you are somehow integrated in that and a, a strange figurehead. And, um, and find, for me, it's been interesting sort of trying to find my place in it because it wasn't organically my community, but it's a community that I have been, um, I've, I've found myself in and have really actually enjoyed uh, finding my place in. I, I don't, I'm not being articulate, but... I never am, so I'm used to it. You're pretty articulate. Oh, stop. What, um, what's, the, uh, what's the one item that you didn't think anyone was going to be able to wrangle, and they did? It doesn't have to be Team Bad Wolf. Like, what is there? Was there one? You don't item? have to flatter us, but you can if you want. <laughs> uh, I have to say, speaking of Team Bad Wolf, your, your grammar porn video <laughs> was... Uh, absolutely. Have you posted that online? I think maybe. You, yeah. you have to post that. It was such a stri- it was such a work of brilliance. Oh, it was thank so you. Funny. Uh, our friend Ian wrote it, and it was filmed at my mother's house. And um, there's a part in the grammar porn. I don't know if you noticed the boom mic hanging in. Yeah. It nice was a touch. feather duster. My mom. <laughs> <laughs> feather duster. 
was, what, was, do you remember the wording of that? I, I don't remember what that item's wording um, was exactly. Watch your gerunds. Like, just yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, that was really good. I think Comic Sans made an appearance, yeah. It was, mm-hmm. it was, well really, it was really fun to shoot. This was amazing. It was an amazing experience. But was there one that you just thought this is um, impossible? I'm trying to think of, of what I what was on. Well, I think yes. One, one for me was the bus in the volcano. So That's one of right, yeah. one of the items was uh, put a bus in a volcano. And one of the rules in Gishwas is you know you can't fake it. Right. It has to be real, or you have to at least do it so well that you trick me into thinking that it's real. Um, and I have I have long wanted to. This is. I mentioned this last night, but part of the impetus for me uh, starting Gishwas was that I have been for several years assembling a long list of art projects that I wanted to see actualized. But you know, you run out of time, you don't have sure. the opportunity to do them all. And also, one of the things about this list for me is a lot of the items on my list are things that kind of have an air of impossibility about them. Yeah. One of the things that I like is um, uh, attacking things that seem at first brush impossible. And and then achieving them, um, and sort of shattering the, um, the 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 boundaries of what we, we what we think is possible in life is sort of one of the things that I get excited about. Um, but one of the one of the um, art art ideas that I've had that um, I think is emblematic of that idea is dropping a bus in a volcano. And I've actually identified five volcanic lakes in the world that would be suitable for dropping a bus into the volcano and, um, you know, done enough research to know that there are cargo helicopters that can lift school buses and that it could be done. Um, but I, if, I really wanted to see someone drop a bus in a volcano. There were several teams that managed to put small toy buses into actual volcanic lava, which was pretty cool. That's, that's pretty great. That was a, certainly a step in the right direction. But, don't you, it's, it, but it's interesting to hear you talk about it and, and really think that this type of scavenger hunt, and maybe I'm blowing it up too much, but, it does, but, I, but I definitely see the foundation of teaching people to think bigger than they, like you said, like at first it's impossible, but then they, they figure it out. I mean, that's a pretty valuable skill to take into life that I would imagine that people who do this competition, they're not going to unlearn those skill sets. They can take those into their own lives and use them at their job or with their family. Like it, it, it feels like there is actually a practical skill that's being learned of thinking outside the box and figuring out how to achieve things that at first, would be like, well, who the fuck could do that? Well, and then and teamwork as well. Yeah, because so many people, you know, so many people, I think, whether in the creative process or not, will hear something and then immediately go, oh, I could never do that, without even thinking about it. But if you really sat down with a problem and went, well, okay, let's say that isn't possible, but if it were possible, how would I do that? And then actually, when you start making the list and writing it down, and you realize, like, oh, if I break this into smaller, I think I might be able to do this thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of true. I had that experience for sure. Like at first, I looked at this list when I, when we got the list. I was like, We're not gonna get any of these. What are you talking about? This is ridiculous. Making a wig out of popcorn and going shopping for diamonds—that's like three hours. Like why would? And then I just I did it. You know, I found myself doing more and more items. And going, okay, no, no, I can do this. I got this. I got this one. You know, it was. It was really interesting. You really do pick up that sort of mindset. Of yeah, because anything think, is possible. Because I think once you kind of set your, once you kind of set your mind on like, well, this is a thing that I want to do, and I'll just try to figure it out. That 
you know, once you start down the path that the answers reveal themselves along the way. So someone else in the group might go, oh, I do have this one thing that's applicable to this. Or, oh, my grandmother has this one thing and we can do this. And it's, but you never would know that unless you started the process and, and started trying to break it down. Yeah. yeah. Do you find that that's how you are in life? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think actually embarking on doing the, this scavenger hunt in the first place was, I think, an example of that. You know, it took, it took several smaller steps to get it going, but I did have that big idea at first. Of, I mean, I called it greatest international scavenger hunt the world has ever seen because I wanted it to be, I wanted it to be at the outset, the biggest scavenger hunt ever. <laughs> and, it, and, and we did it. And you did you it know, pretty quickly. Pretty quickly, um, which is kind of great. Um, but it was a matter of doing, you know, doing the incremental steps and actually having the, you know, the bigger picture idea and bringing it to fruition. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's those baby, it's those incremental steps that are key to making anything happen. And you don't actually take those steps unless you're moving toward that bigger objective. Yeah. Um, I, I really, I just hope it inspires people to just, to think weirdly, you know, like to think that even if people just... I mean, it, it can really sort of bend your mind when you think, oh, you know, if you just got a group of friends together for a weekend and they just tried to do a thing. Like, we, there was this thing at UCLA, when I went to UCLA, called Falling Lizard, and it was an animation weekend. So a group of people would get together on a Friday and not leave the animation lab until Monday, and they would just make a thing. Mm-hmm. And so that idea I always loved. It was just like, you could, you could change the world in... Two days with just a small group of people if you really just focused. But it really is just about focusing. And if you do that, you know. And, and so if you could do that with an animation thing or if you could do this with a, with a scavenger hunt, what other – or like MIT uh, puzzle hunt. The puzzle hunt. Is, oh, right, right. Like if you, if, if you could solve this thing with a, with a small group of people in just a couple of days, what if you actually tackled – practical world like you could literally fucking change the world well that's why yeah. scientists actually I mean they, they there's a thing where you're able to discover proteins with a flash application online just if you focus your energies and have enough people working at it you know you can actually make things happen so I hope that I, I do hope that for people who haven't done Gishwis or decide to do it next year that that that's the one thing that they take away because it, it really can make you a, a you know, a, a more effective person if there are things that you want to accomplish in your life. Can I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Are we allowed to talk? When would this be going up? It could go up whenever. Can we ask, uh, ask you about the Guinness? Oh, he already mentioned it. Oh, you already did it? Yeah. Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah. Sorry. Now so, it's more editing for you to cut out. <laughs> what, you asking the question? Yeah. I'm, like, I'm not going to cut it out. Oh, okay, no. <laughs> yeah, well, I just leave everything in. <laughs> no, it's not awkward. All right. Just have a moment of awkward. This is wow, God, this is awkward. I might just go to the bathroom. Um, <laughs> I'm going to the bathroom right now. Right now. Uh, oh, yeah. Steve Martin. I'm going to get some water. <laughs> There's no ice. There's no ice. I'll give you, you water. without ice. <laughs> um, what are you going to do? Uh, do? Do you just... Do... Can, I, can I just tell that story that Philip told last night about the um, girl at, that showed up at the Target? Um, yes. We, one of the items on this year's scavenger hunt was uh, basically to collect... Uh, pledges to do uh, an, a random act of kindness. Um, and we, as I mentioned earlier, assembled uh, 90-something thousand pledges. But a girl uh, who participated in Gish was, was at Target, and there was this big uh, assemblage of people outside the store who were doing uh, some sort of a, a rally or a fundraiser or something, and she asked, inquired what they were doing, and there was a, a woman who was a homeless woman who had kids, uh, was down on her luck, and they were putting resources together to help this woman out. 
And she said, oh, great, I'd love to help support. What's the, what's the uh, organization that uh, is sponsoring this? And uh, someone said, oh, well, uh, my, my daughter uh, uh, did this scavenger hunt, and I pledged to do a random act of kindness. So it was an example of somebody who was participating in Gishwes running across one of these you know, random acts of kindness actually being carried out. But when you mention, you know, changing the world, I don't know if that's changing the world, but it's, it's a small, you know, it's, it's pooling um, a, a large number of people to do good things if possible. And well, it's definitely changing the world. That woman didn't change. have a home. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love that. I, you know, I, I actually grew up uh, with a, a single mother who was on welfare and, um, and part of the reason that I got started with this charity, Random Acts, um, was that when we were growing up, when I was a kid, there were you know there were times when we would not have had Christmas were it not for a neighbor giving my mom a hundred bucks to buy us Christmas presents, or uh, you know times when we were homeless and people put us up, and um, and those little acts of kindness, which weren't a big deal for the person who was giving them, made a profound impact on me as a kid and I still remember them to this day and um, so anyway trying to you know amass these people and getting them to, to do nice things for other people is part of this project too which not, is nice not like I'm sure that it was you know at the time maybe if you were a child you didn't really understand exactly what the circumstances were maybe you did it sounds like maybe you did but when you look back do you think yeah that needed to happen so that I could understand the value of giving and understand the value of, you know, trying to, to help people out. Cause if you'd, you know, if you had grown up like, ah, oh, my parents have, you know, money, you know, who knows, maybe you wouldn't have, maybe, maybe that's just wouldn't have occurred to you later in life. You know, if the stuff was just handed to you. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I have kids now and I do think about that a little bit, you know, they have, I think they're probably, my kids are probably going to have it quite a bit easier in a lot of respects than I did, and I'm a little bit afraid that they're not going to appreciate the you know the things that they have. That's why you got to build a shed in the backyard, and you put them in the shed, and you let them earn their way into the house. <laughs> I don't know that some people might think that's cruel, but I think later in life they'll appreciate yeah, it, it. Give them increasingly them, longer <laughs> longer lengths of chain. Exactly. Make them do scavenger hunts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Today you get the heater. <laughs> Make them leap across the yeah. towers of the castle. <laughs> Come on, son. Today's you Monday. You get to see the sun today. <laughs> Monday, Sunday. Yay! Yeah. Shouldn't Sunday be Sunday? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, back to the shed. <laughs> Exactly the kind of shit I was talking about. Get back to the shed. <laughs> but, that, but that's but that's really nice, and it's also just the idea of taking adversity and and trying to spin it in such a way that um, you know that that can help people. And Random Acts is I, I don't know a ton about the organization, so if people wanted to find out more about, uh, uh, we have we have a website, therandomact.org. The Random Act. Yes. The randomact.org? Yes. Okay. And it, is it is it is it is it charity in the sense of? It sounds like it's like an, an action-based charity. So yeah. you, sometimes it might be money and other times it might be like help this person find a thing. Or Yeah, we're, we're trying to help facilitate um, people perpetrating acts of kindness and whatever that means for them. So we have uh, you know, done various different things from you know, building uh, an orphanage in, uh, in Haiti to reuniting a woman who was slave trafficked to, with her daughter to you know, handing flowers out to random strangers on the street. We run the, run the gamut. I there. mean, that's pretty... I mean, obviously, I know, you know, I'm sure, you know, if people give money to a charity, it's probably like, oh, okay, I've given money, you know, but, but they don't ever actually see it in action. And so the idea that, you know, that you could be a part of the process of changing someone's life sounds pretty gratifying 
as opposed to just like writing a check and sending it off to some random office and going about your day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're definitely that's what we're trying to focus on is making it as participatory as possible. Well, so. what's wonderful about Gishwis and the Random Acts, the whole, the whole thing is that you know a lot of people are almost afraid to reach out to help other people, and really, a good deed could be as simple as smiling, just smiling more during the day and saying hi and telling somebody that you like their dress. And people are just sort of afraid to reach out to other people because in this world. Yeah, Chloe does this all the time. I'm very much, like I said, I'm very much like, I don't talk to, you know, like... He's I, shy. He's I'm, a, I'm really shy in public. He's a misanthrope. I'm a little bit. And so we'll just, you know, we'll be in an elevator and Chloe will look down to someone and go, oh, I really love your shoes. I'm like, Chloe, don't buy those people's shoes. Like, but I really like your shoes. And, you know, because she holds this idea that, you know, that you could just change someone's day just by saying something nice to them and then they sort of leave feeling better and then that that transfers into their world and that it really kind of has a ripple effect. Even in Gishwas, when you're kind of making a fool out of yourself in some some items, you know, these people that you talk to, like when I went and did the diamond shopping thing and pissed this poor diamond guy off, I mean, he still goes back to his family. He's like, okay, you're never going to believe what just happened today. You know, he has a story. It made his day. I mean... It just, it's, simple things can just make people's day, and, and that's what I love about Gishwas and the Random Acts, because it's so easy. Like, it's so easy to just do a good deed. Yeah, it is easy. I think, I think it is. I mean, I think you don't have to, you don't have to really give up your life in order to um, make a difference for someone, which is exactly. good to know. Yeah. It's good to know. Well, that's why um, Chloe and I are going to hang out with you for the rest of your travels. Great. Because we feel like, you know, if your family's not coming with you, you're going to need companionship. Yeah. And we're just going to come hang out all the time. Yeah. That's right. our good deed for you. So Thank you, you guys you're, so you're much. You're welcome. I, was, I didn't want to know how to broach this topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so yeah, glad. Right. Chloe did bring the Castiel outfit. We're going to be straight out. Imagine, yeah. I don't I've, great, I've been, great. Great. We actually do look remarkably alike. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> with the hair. With, with the nose ring. Yeah. I've, been, I've, been, I've been practicing. Check this out, though. Oh yeah, the nose ring goes away. Is it in your brain now? What yeah, it maybe. I've been I've been practicing my uh, my Jensen Ackles. Uh, oh. Sam. Yes, that's Sam. I just Come on, Sam. Sam. So I could just do that all day and follow you. It's and like I, being at home. I yeah, love that. Yeah, you would it's love funny. that. Before we came, before we came out, because was like, please don't make me do the <laughs> game. I was just like, I, but it's so good. I was teasing him. I was we were watching the show one day. It was so. The, it's just and so then he, and he did it. I'm like, and then so Chloe said something. I turned. I was like, Chloe. And, uh, <laughs> and she fucking laughed for like two minutes. Like, what did I do? She's like, you fucking gotta do that all the time. I'm like, no, Chloe. No one else is gonna think this is funny but you. <laughs> I think it's hysterical. You yeah. found your audience here with me yeah. as well. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So if we ever, you know, it's just the like the. You know, very... let's call him now. I'll do it now over the phone. Oh, yeah. There's nothing worse than like, hey, my friend says he does a great impersonation of you. Do it, and the person's like, do 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 do. Like, I really, I let's sound let's like do that? call him now. It's, <laughs> it's three a.m. in Los Angeles. Let's, let's wake him up. Hey, it's you calling. What are you doing? Uh, well, this is great. Thank you so much for Thank you guys. having you know. I was not officially part of uh, Gishwitz. This was just my vacation with Chloe. Because we're you know running around England and Scotland. I have such a strange uh, and fortuitous little uh, turn of events. I, I was totally shocked. I had no idea that you uh, were affiliated with this gentleman, but I've admired affiliated. your work for some time. What? Get yeah. out of town! So um, I was thrilled. Well, thank you, man. It's been it's been really cool to, to see. You. And then when you know when you're back in LA, we'll 
We'll get a. We'll, maybe we'll get Kripke to come out from his other oh, show. Oh yes, we'll have get like out a, of like his a, cave. We'll have like a dinner and and, and, and hang out. That would be fun. That would be yeah. cool. Cool. Well, thanks, man. Thank you. And I want to thank you so much for everything. This was one of the most insane, wonderful experiences I've ever had, and everything was. I, I'm just gushing right now. I mean, just staying in a castle in Scotland. When I found out that I won, I mean, I was screaming. I, I was just. Everybody has been. I can't even talk right now. But it was just like this. This is such an unusual thing. This is this never happened. Well, none of us have slept for days. That's true. We've been um, up all night. But We've been getting up early. But you and Philip and Lisa and Miss John Louise and everybody at Gishwis, I just want to thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome to hear. <laughs> I was not a fish on the Gishwish team, so fuck yourself. <laughs> it's nice to be able to say that. You don't have to kiss my ass like she does, right? <laughs> like, wait, why would you tell me to fuck off? You weren't on the team. <laughs> Sorry, man. Sorry, man. Yeah. Way of, gotta, balance, gotta balance the shit out. It's a roll. You know what? You have a much better voice than I do. <laughs> We say at the end of the podcast, we say enjoy your burrito. Would you? Could you give us a Castiel read on or enjoy your burrito? A terrible Scottish accent read. Oh, enjoy your burrito. <laughs> that's pretty good. It's very grounded. Now, now do the Castiel. Enjoy your burrito. Oh, oh shit! That's Ooh, it. Where'd he go? I don't know. <laughs> you do the sound. I, hope, I do my own sound effects too. I hope I, not only do I disappear, but I do my own sound. Effects. I hope you're in the in the like the sound booth. Like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I know I, I got it this time. <laughs> there you go. And that's actually your voice. <laughs> they should use it. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Scotland. Scotland. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. Go to Stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Nerdist for a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and $55 of free postage. That's Stamps.com. Enter the promo code Nerdist. I feel like I was blindsided. Because it's a competition show. From the producers of Jury Duty and The Bachelor. We have scoured the earth for the 14 greatest reality contestants that were available during our production window. Comes a reality competition show about reality competition shows. Nobody has dared to find out who is the actual best at just being on a reality show. I'm your host, comedian Daniel Tosh. Is win or go home. Each episode, our contestants will face new challenges that will test their strength and lack of life skills for a chance to win $200 million. $200,000. Prepare, because it's about to be ugly crying. Lots of fighting. Tasha, I have to defend myself. Celebrating 25 years of reality TV with your favorites. I have diarrhea. You cannot do this to me. What in gay hell have I got myself into? The GOAT. Stream free on Amazon Freebie or Prime Video.